Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are continuing on our fall sermon series, and for those of you that may not have been here or may, have, may be visiting, let me tell you where we've been quickly. David, in 1 Samuel 16, was anointed king. He was the youngest son and the forgotten, almost the forgotten son. And uh, he was anointed king of Israel, but then he went back to shepherding. Because it wasn't his time yet. Then we get to 1 Samuel 17. David is, in effect, called up. And he ends up defeating the giant Goliath. And then because of Irma, Hurricane Irma, we had to fast forward a little bit. And so last week, we talked about David fleeing from King Saul, how he had served in King Saul's court, not only because of his success against the, the giant Goliath and really had endeared himself to Saul, but also because he had taught himself how to play the lyre, a stringed instrument. He had written psalms while he was a shepherd boy. And Saul had a tormenting spirit, as we're told. And so he would go and play and sing for Saul to calm his spirit and to bring a presence of the Lord that had left, eluded Saul. But after a while, what happened is King Saul got paranoid about David because David was so popular and so successful. And he became Saul's son, Jonathan's best friend. So King Saul turned against David and tried to kill him. And David fled. For over ten years, David fled. But then he was given an opportunity to kill King Saul, and he said, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. And so where we are today in today's reading... Since that time, King Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in battle. The Ark of the Covenant, which is the Ark that represented the presence of God to the people, that was given the the directions of how to build it and what to put in it, were given at Mount Sinai. Had been captured by the Philistines. Because Israel was without a king, David, who was already anointed king, stepped up. He had been in exile for now even more years, probably 15. And he stepped up, he came back, he started winning wars against the Philistines. He established the throne. He stabilized the kingdom. He built homes for himself. Everything was going great. Except something was missing. Something was missing. 
Here's a man who was always seeking after the Lord. When he was a shepherd boy, he sought after the Lord with his heart. Begun to build a relationship with him. When he fought Goliath, he stated boldly, the battle belongs to the Lord. I don't have to worry about this. I can stand and be bold. When he had the chance to kill King Saul, he said, I can't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. Over and over again, he had looked to the Lord. And here he was, winning battles, building homes for himself, becoming successful, but something was missing. And what was missing was a place to worship, for the people to gather and worship together. They had had that before. That he had rallied the people, but he needed to rally the people around the Lord. David himself was one who worshipped, who loved the Lord. He needed to call the people together and say, this is what we're about. This is why we were called. This is why we're the people of the Lord. Set apart for him. And so he set about to get the Ark of the Covenant back. And there was a little hiccup along the way because the people forgot that God's holy. But David said, we've got to get this Ark back because it represents God's presence, God's holiness, God's blessing for us. You know, whenever David did anything. He did so with passion. Did you ever notice that about David? He had passion about his life. When he was a shepherd, a shepherd boy, he did it with passion. If you know the story, you really ought to read the whole story of David, by the way. If you've never sat down and read the story, it's from 1 Samuel 16 to 1 Kings 2. You can also read the story in the book of Chronicles. But read the story of David, because it's a great story. Not that David is perfect. But we're told right from the beginning of the David story. We're even told in the New Testament twice. Here's a man after God's own heart. He had a heart for the Lord. There's 59 references to him in the New Testament. 59 references, all of them positive. Again, not because he was perfect, but because he had a heart for the Lord. He had a zeal for the Lord. Everything he did, he had passion about his life. Do you know people like that? Do you know people that everything about their lives, they seem to have a zeal, a passion, an energy, a joy about their lives? You know, it's funny is there may not be many adults, but how many children live life that way? You know, children that have a zeal, a passion, a joy about their lives. It's just how they live life. They live life all out. No fear. I don't know if you were a child like that. I mean, I think of examples from my own children's life. I think especially of Daniel. 
Daniel lived life all out, still does. That's why he's a green beret. But Daniel, at two years old, had a broken collarbone. Why? He was swinging on the swing in the backyard and flew off. And I said, why'd you do that? He said, I wanted to see what it was like. (laughs) Came flying through the kitchen when he was three. Had a concussion. I knew from early on this kid was an idiot. (laughs) But he had a zeal for life. Everything was all out. And he still lives that way. That's David. David had a zeal for life. Passion. It's how he lived his life as a shepherd boy. He was so given over to watching those sheep. He was willing to risk his life against a lion and a bear, we're told. He was so zealous for the Lord and for the Lord's people, he took on a giant. Now his passion and his zeal sometimes got him into trouble. Because his desire wasn't always for the Lord. And that's when we get into trouble. You know what's really interesting is if if you know the history of Israel... You understand that the first king was the king that preceded David, Saul. Before that, they did not have a king. They had what was called judges, charismatic leaders that were raised up. And before that, really, in effect, they had prophets leading them, like Moses. And the Lord told Moses, you need to say this to the people. And this comes out of Deuteronomy 17. It was a warning. Let me read to you. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you say, I will, set, I will set a king over me like the nations that are around me. How often would we do that? You know, if you're strongly committed to the Lord, and sometimes you say, you know what? Maybe I don't want to stand out so much. Maybe I want to be like people around me. That's sometimes when you can get into trouble. Let's continue to listen. You may set a king over you. But he must not acquire many wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away. Also, silver and gold he must not acquire in great quantity for himself. He shall have a copy of the law written for him in the presence of the Levitical priests. It shall remain with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, diligently observing all the words of this law, these statutes neither exalting himself above other members of the community nor turning aside from the commandment, either to the right or to the left. And if you know what happened to David, his passion led him into problems. He ended up multiplying wives, including Bathsheba. He ended up getting derailed. He ended up lording it over other people, having Bathsheba's husband killed. Because he thought, I can get away with this, I'm the king. His passion wasn't always well directed. And what happens when your passion isn't well directed? Isn't directed 
the Lord's way? When you want to be like the world, because in your mind the world gives you more promises that sound good. Your eyes get off the Lord and worshiping Him. You begin to sink. Remember the story of Peter? That's such a great story for that whole illustration. Peter the Apostle. Peter, speak first, think later. The Apostle. Had a zeal for life. Same kind of guy. Jesus walks on the water. Calms the storm. But Peter wants to come out and walk on the water with him before the storm's calmed. And Jesus says, okay, come on out. Would that be cool? Peter's like that little kid. He's got the zeal. He wants to go out and do that. All right, I'm going to go walk on the water. When he has his eyes fixed on the Lord, he does it. Takes his eyes off the Lord. What happens? Sinks. And that's what happened. That's what happens to us. When we take our eyes off the Lord, we sink. When our desire gets misdirected. When our desire isn't totally given over to the Lord to worship him. You know, what's interesting about this Ark of the Covenant that represents the presence of the Lord. It's really fascinating. I don't know if you know what's in the Ark. The history of the Ark is it was made at Mount Sinai, the Lord's directions. But it's really interesting what's in the Ark. You can probably name the most popular item that's in the Ark, right? The Ten Commandments. Pretty much everybody got that one. What else? Manna. Manna was in the Ark to remind them of God's provision. What else was in the Ark? Aaron's rod, to remind them of God's deliverance. What else was in the ark? One more thing. I love this name, by the way. They gave it a name. Nehushtim. Is that a great name? Don't name your child that. Nehushtim. Nehushtim was this snake that was made of bronze. That when the children of Israel rebelled, Moses was instructed to make a snake of bronze, lifted it up on a pole, and the people would gaze upon the snake and be delivered from the poisonous snakes that had come into the camp. Jesus said, drawing an analogy to that, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all people to myself. He'll bring life. He'll save people from death. That's the analogy. Well, let me tell you what happened to Nehushtan. Nehushtan became an idol. The people made it an idol. And eventually, Hezekiah would destroy it because it became an idol. See, that which was originally good, that's what represented something positive, eventually became an idol. What else became an idol? The Ten Commandments became an idol for some people because they became legalists. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. What else became an idol? The ark itself became an idol. The Philistines said, we want this baby. Because 
This thing is magic. It's power. We want that. You know where else we sell that, by the way? Raiders of the Lost Ark, Harrison Ford. That's what the Nazis wanted. They wanted the ark because they thought it was like a lucky charm. It was like power. That's not what the ark is about. It's misdirected desire and passion. The ark represents God's presence. God's provision for his people. What God's desire is for a relationship. That's what the Ten Commandments are about. And how we love one another. It's the mercy seat on top that God wants to cover us with his mercy. That's what points to Jesus Christ. As did Nehushtan at one time. We miss it. When our eyes get diverted off the Lord, when our desire is misdirected, we miss it. David missed it for a while. But then he went after the ark to bring it back to the people. And what happened? What happened? When he sought the Lord and sought to be obedient and bring the ark back and rally the people around the ark, worship happened. Worship happened. And there was joy. And there was generosity. That's what happens. David danced. You know, it's interesting. If someone broke out and danced during worship here, people would say, what are they doing? That's what one of David's wives did. One who really didn't believe, wasn't drawn to the Lord. It's interesting how people of the world or people who really don't have a heart given over to the Lord really don't understand zeal for worship. A priority of worship. A joy in worship. But that's what obedience brings. When we put him at the center of our lives, we long to worship. David worshipped individually. He wrote 73 psalms at least. Psalm 145, the last one recorded in the book of Psalms, is just full of praise and joy. And when he got his, his mind, his eyes, off of the Lord, Psalm 51, he was quick to repent because he wanted to get the Lord straight in his vision again so that he would have that restored joy. He would have that longing for worship. And a restored relationship. David sought that. That's what God's desire for our lives is. Authentic worship. True worship. Worship is a priority. 
Look at the gospel reading for today. Jesus talking to the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. He said, God wants you to worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit. Deep inside you, the whole of your being. Authentic to who you are. Truth. That there's false belief. There's fake worship. And when you don't believe the way God calls us to believe, your actions won't reflect His holiness in your life. His joy in your life. His love in your life. Because it's just not there. You miss it. Just like David missed it for a while. And he would miss it again. That's why Jesus said true worshipers must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. David's worship begins to reveal his priorities. It's amazing. What happened when he started worshiping? You know, you need to not only read this story, but the story in First Chronicles about this very scene. Because what happens is, not only does David sacrifice, and he's generous to the people, he gives to the people food, but then he lines up singers and priests instrumentalists. He says, we're going to be a worshiping people. We're going to be a generous people. We're going to be a giving people. We're going to be a sacrificial people. Because that's what worship is all about if you really understand how worship penetrates your heart and your life. You give. You sacrifice. You're generous. It takes time and energy and resources to get the ark in the first place and then to make worship the center of your life. And that's what David did. I want you to think about the last year. What happened one year ago today? Matthew. What happened one month ago? Irma. We forgot about that one a little bit. What happened one week ago? Las Vegas. We didn't even talk about the earthquakes, the other floods. Does it cause you to reevaluate? I don't know how it can't, but it might not. It certainly should cause you to be more compassionate and caring and giving. But what are your priorities? Over this past year, think of all the things that have been destroyed. Things don't last. 
What lasts? Worship is eternal. Relationships are eternal. That's what lasts. If you don't like worship now, what do you think about heaven? If you don't like people now, what do you think about heaven? If you're not cultivating a relationship with God now, what are you thinking about heaven? See, this is a chance to reevaluate your priorities because things don't last. Fulfilling those desires that are contrary to his will. Those pleasures don't last either. You sink. You sink. David made worship his priority. He didn't always get it right, but he kept coming back. To worship. He realized something was missing. It's really about the stewardship of all that you are and all that you have. What are you doing with it? If you're living for this world and the things of this world and the pleasures of this world, it's all fleeting. It all goes away. What lasts? What did Jesus die for? So that we might worship. So that we might love the Lord with the whole of our being. And that we might love others. And live sacrificially for Him. And that's what lasts. What are you missing? What are you missing? Let's pray. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lord, we treasure you. We seek to worship you. We seek to follow you. And live for you. With all that we are and all that we have. Lord God, when we see Hurricanes like Matthew and Irma and Nate, we realize that things are fleeting. And when we see what happened in Las Vegas, we realize that life 
Life can be fleeting. Help us to realize your gift in Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross so that we might live with you and for you for all eternity. Beginning now. To seek to worship you, to seek to love you, to seek to love others. Lord, there are some here that are just missing it. They've never quite found you. There are some here that have missed it in the past, recently. Have missed having you at the center of their lives. Maybe got lost in other priorities. Have lost their zeal for you. Maybe they're sinking. Maybe they're tempted. Maybe they're distracted. Lord, bring them back. Lift them up. And Lord, for all of us, we seek to worship you this day. Fill us with joy. Fill us with your spirit. And cause us to live for you this day and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.